see what you missed out on? Uh, that's good. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Well, this is the first of the month, and every first of the month we like to pray over our tithes and offerings. Uh, we don't do, if this is your first time here, you've been here for just a very short time, you know that we don't do, uh, we don't pass a hat or a plate or anything like that. So, But we do believe in the the part of worshiping God with our finances. So every month, at the beginning of the month, we like to bring somebody who's got an awesome testimony, not only a testimony, but someone who can say the power, who can speak the power of generosity, who can speak about the power of tithing and giving. So this uh, today we've got a very special young man with us, uh, J.C. Dickens. Would you all give him a hand clap as he comes to share with you just a little bit? Okay, uh, let's uh, thank you, Darren and Lynette, for giving me this opportunity. But let's, uh, I got some scriptures I want to start with. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, uh, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And I know that's that's one of the benefits, and that's what I want to talk about is we honor God first. The second scripture is uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters is anything. I put that in there. But God who gives the increase. God gives the increase in our finances. We have benefits that we walk into when we put God first and we tithe first. I've been praying about this uh, since Lynette texts me and in the in the morning in my devotionals I got the scripture first Corinthians and this morning Proverbs three nineteen or nine through ten. But it's it's important that we put him first and we it's also important that we we recognize the benefits. I'm a product of benefits of tithing. But just just look at me. I'm a bald-headed rodeo cowboy without a job when my wife agreed to marry me. I married way over my head. My friends, my friends told me, they said, they would talk amongst each other and they would say, it must be love because there's no other reason she would marry him. <laughs> the second thing I want to tell you about is another benefit of tithing is uh, I got to rodeo with a man in uh, in 80 was the first year I spent with him. But his dad was with the first Gideons who distributed Bibles to all the motel rooms and uh, anyways, a tithing principle based family for generations. Anyways, when, uh, I called him when the fires hit Texas, they live in the panhandle, and he said, we were feeding, uh, we were feeding cows, and he says, I could see the fire about five miles away, and it started, and it was coming this way, and we went to the house and started moving everything. And he said, uh, the fire got within 30 feet of their house and went around their house. They had a, two barns full of hay. 
The fire went around their barns full of hay. They didn't lose anything. They didn't lose any cattle or any horses. So we'll go two or three days. Another family that I stayed with uh, in western Oklahoma, almost straight east of the, the fire was north of I-40, and then it went east. Uh, this, she's a widow, and she said, I went to, I went to Fort Supply and rode my bike and came home, and she said, I was getting ready to jump in the shower, and a guy called, and he said, have you seen the fire? She says, no, I just got home. He says, you need to look outside your house. And she, she said, the fire was right there coming at him and did the same thing. The, she says it got within 30 foot of the house, didn't, didn't touch the house or nothing. It went down the road to her daughter's house and all it did at her daughter's house is they had a, a back porch built on the back of it and it burnt the back porch off and nobody got hurt. They didn't lose, they didn't lose any cattle, any horses or anything. And it tells us in Malachi that God will rebuke the devourer. So put him first, put him first. Pray over your tithe. We're gonna, we're gonna pray over it right now, but put God first in your finances and he'll take care of the rest. He'll, he'll make the other 90% last more than enough and you'll have left over. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for every family and every tithe in this house. And we just honor you and we put you first and we thank you and praise you, Father. In doing so, you will take care of us and you will take care of everything else and you will rebuke the devourer. We give you all the honor and glory and praise for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're, you're good. Just, uh, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All right. Man, what a full plate this morning, huh? You can go home now, couldn't you? Well, I got something for you, so just hold tight, and I'll get you out of here. I'll get you to the buffet before the Baptist, hopefully. So with that, how y'all doing this morning? If I have never had the opportunity of meeting you, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here. At least that's the title they gave me. I don't know... Uh, how good that is to have that title, but it's, it's, it's all right. So anyways, it's good to see you guys this morning. Are you uh, happy to be here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's good to see y'all. Um, as I was pulling this message together, I started thinking back how 2020, you know, 2020 changed some things for us. Not, not just for church, not just for Christians, but it changed things for us in society and culture. 2020, the, the spring of 2020, whenever the whole COVID deal broke out, it, it changed some things. Amen? Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like it did? I mean, there, there's, in my mind, even the common cold and flu, which used to be seasonal. You know, the, they'd come on commercials on TV and things like that, that, the you know, we're in flu season, we're in cold season, cold and flu season. But now, cold and flu have a whole different face to them. Because COVID brought so much, you know, they, they, the, the um, professionals brought a different look to even the common cold. 
That if you have a sneeze, you know, you got to wear a mask. If you have a cough, you got to wear a mask. All that kind of stuff. You know, when I grew up, it was just cough on each other and just get it, you know. <laughs> get it and get over it, you know. But now it's, it's, there, there's almost like a fear that's attached to even being next to somebody and them coughing or, you know, even sneezing. It's, it's almost a fear. It changed the whole face of what, you know, cold and flu was a season. Now it's serious. Right? And so, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist type of person at all. Uh, I don't, I don't get into all that kind of stuff. But, but COVID changed the face of, of fear, um, of sickness, but it also changed the face of fear in sickness. Whenever we get sick, it's, it's almost like we begin to question, you know, what is this? Well, you know, is this just a cold or is this, ooh, it's COVID. And then, and then COVID has even changed. You know what I mean? So there's just so much that COVID did. So much happened in 2020. And here we go. We're, we're now into 2024 and, and things we've, we've got to make a change ourselves. And I believe that the change that we make has got to be in the church. It's got to start here. It's got to start with us. Amen. Because, because even though, even though COVID can change the face of fear, it cannot change the face of the word of God. It cannot change the word of God. Nothing can change the word of God concerning sickness and disease. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you would go over to Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 53, you know, in the transition, I was talking about, um, the prophet, the, the prophets of the old Testament and Isaiah was one of those, one of those important prophets, especially when it comes to, um, what we're going to talk about today. And in Isaiah 53, Isaiah was a great prophet, and he began to see 800 years before Jesus went, Jesus the Messiah went to the cross, Isaiah began to see that event happen, 800 years before it even happened. Are you with me? He began to see this, and as he began to see this, what happened was was he began to write down his view of what that would look like in 800 years. And and this is what he saw here in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verse 1. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. What Isaiah began to see is, is he began to see Jesus 800 years down the line going to the cross and, and taking everything that we are upon him. He said that, that he was, he saw Jesus as a man 
But what he began to see of Jesus on the cross and the, and what Jesus would go through, he began to see him not easy, not even as human being, as a human being. He was so beaten. He was so bruised. He was so torn apart. I mean, Mel Gibson made a movie about it and couldn't even depict the, the brutality that really happened. And when you watch that movie, The Passion of the Christ, you see the brutality in that movie, but it is not even, it doesn't even scratch the surface to the brutality that happened to Jesus on the cross. That, that Isaiah would say, he, we, I couldn't even see his form. I couldn't even see the beauty that he was. Isaiah was not calling Jesus not a beautiful person. He was a very beautiful person before he went to the cross. But when he took all of our sin, when he took all of our sickness and disease, when he took everything that we would ever go through, every person would go through, when he took it on himself, he wasn't even a human being in form. And this is what Isaiah was seeing. And when he said that, you know, he was, he was seeing the passion that, that Jesus went through at the cross. See, Jesus' passion, it's, it's called the passion of the Christ. Because Jesus' passion is us. His passion is us. He would die for us. It was, his passion was so great for us that he would even die, not only for those of before him, but those who would come after him. And he took all of that on himself. That was his passion. He would die for his passion. He would die for us. Amen? Amen. And, and so, what that did, what Jesus did by going to the cross, what happened when the blood poured out of his body is it created a covenant, a, a covenant, a promise between God and humanity. That's a covenant. For him to say, I'm taking your sickness and disease, that's a covenant. That's a promise. That's something that cannot be taken away from us because he gave us his health for our sickness. Amen. So that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the restoration of healing and divine health that, that God's Word says for us. Amen. See, we can think that COVID, we can think that, that and, and sometimes we do this, especially when we're in the midst of it. We can think COVID, we can think cancer, we can think incurable disease, we can think flu, we can think common cold, and addiction can even change or negate His covenant. We can think, you know, here I am in the midst of, over the last two or three weeks, I've been dealing with um, some kind of flu or something like that. I just had a lot of crud in my body. Amen? Amen. You've been there. And and even in that, you know, I, I remember feeling the, the tickling coming on in my throat. I could feel the stuff going on in my nose at the very beginning of things. And I began to pray. Oh, God. Oh, God. I need your help. You said that you bore my sickness and carried my diseases. I give it all to you. Still yet, two weeks I went through this stuff and dealt with it. I'm still dealing with some of it. So if you hear me up here, go, that's, that's part of it. You know, I'm still, I'm still getting all the crud out of my system. But sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we can think, is God even hearing me? I want to walk in this miracle of saying, God, I, I, I confess your word and that you took my, you know, you took my sicknesses from me when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But I can almost say, oh, I guess the covenant don't work anymore. Now, I would never say that out loud until just right now. But we've all fought it. 
I know we've thought it, especially when you're in the middle of the, the, the pain and the fever and the, and the stuff going on in your body. You're in the middle of the diagnosis when you're in the middle of the prognosis, when you're in the middle of somebody telling you that you have an incurable disease. Amen? Amen. And we can, we can know God's covenant is true. We can know it's real, but in the middle of it, we're going, is this got more power than God's covenant? No. It don't. But we're in the middle of it. That's what faith is about. That's where you have to lean into God. That's where you have to lean into His Word. Because it's important for us to partner with His covenant of healing. It's important for us to covenant, to, to partner with His covenant of healing. I don't think you hear me. Uh, It's important for us to partner with the covenant of divine health in our life. No matter what condition we see, no matter what condition we feel, we've got to partner with that covenant. We've got to partner with that promise from God because our faith activates His promise carried out on the cross and it brings a restoration of health that is only accessible through His, through our faith in Him and our faith in His Word. Amen. So if you would, go over to uh, Malachi, the book of Malachi. And when you go over there, go to Malachi chapter 4, and I want you to hold your place right there because we're going to come back to it. And I want you then to go over to Luke chapter 8. Malachi chapter 4, hold your place, and then we'll go to Luke chapter 8. So in Luke chapter 8, there's a story here, and most most of you, if you've been to church before... Um, regularly, then you've probably heard this story. And um, we we watched The Chosen at our house. Have you seen The Chosen? Yes. I mean, this story comes up, and, and man, it's, it's a powerful, powerful story. But here in Luke chapter 8, it tells the account of the woman with the issue of blood. The, she's got a blood flow in her body. And she's had this blood flow in her body for 12 years. It's, it's a prolonged hemorrhaging that comes from her menstrual cycle. And it's like her menstrual cycle started and it did not stop for 12 years. Now, I don't know what that's like. Thank God, right? I haven't identified as anything other than a man, so it's, uh, I don't know what that's like. And even if I did, I probably still wouldn't know what that's like. But I know you ladies know what that's like and how uncomfortable that can be. Well, she's going through this for 12 years, a constant hemorrhaging in her body. And can you imagine with that blood leaving her body, how it takes her, you know, puts her into iron deficiencies. It, it, it just takes so much out of her. And so um, as you begin to get into the Bible and look, during those times, during the times of Jesus and biblical times, that there were laws that were instated, like in Leviticus chapter 15, that talks about the woman's monthly cycle and how that as she goes through that monthly cycle, as her body uh, lets loose of that blood, that that blood makes her unclean is what the Bible or what the law says. And so while she's unclean, anybody that touches her or comes near her is unclean. And therefore, for that seven days for that week, they're unclean until she can be cleansed of that and get in. She couldn't even enter into society without letting people know, pronouncing that she was unclean. So most, most women just stayed home during that time. And so during that time, this lady for 12 years is dealing with this. So she cannot, it, it's a lonely, lonely life that she's living because she can't be around anybody. 
She can't, she, she has to separate from family. I don't know if she had kids. I don't know if she had grandkids, but she could not be with her family at all. I mean, they could communicate from a distance, but, but she could not enter into society for 12 years. All the pain that she had in her body, all the embarrassment that she had, the loneliness that she was, um, dealing with. She had to stay hidden and out of society. And if she did go out in society for any reason, she had to pronounce it. She had to tell him, unclean, unclean. It's a lonely life. And the Bible says that she spent all of her savings to try to get the physicians and the doctors to try to help her get past this. I know as a person who's been diagnosed with the disease, how many people come out of the woodwork wanting to, you know, sell you product, wanting to help. You know, they want to help. But, but the doctors can't do anything about it. They just medicate you. And, and, you know, people want to give you every home remedy. <laughs> they want to pray for you. And that's great. I love it. Thank you. But, I, I know how frustrating it can be because there's just no, it just doesn't seem like there's an answer, you know? And so she's dealing with this. She spent all of the money that she's ever had, but she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She heard about the miracle signs and wonders that were happening around her, around him. And, and so she's trying to get to him. And if he is really the Messiah that they're, that everybody is saying that he is, then there's something that he's got. I got to get to him. Amen? Amen. So she's trying to get to him. Because if she, if he was the Messiah, the, the Messiah, there was something for her. There was the healing that she so desired. Here in Luke chapter 8, verse 43 says this. It says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians, and could not be healed by any, came from behind Jesus and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her blood, her flow of blood stopped. Did you see what that said? She came up from behind him. She didn't even come up in front of him. Everybody that we read about comes in front of Jesus. They want healing. They come to him. They ask him. They beg him. Beg him. But she didn't. She came up from behind, it says. She drug her weak body, hurting body. You know, when I, when I read this story, I always think, okay, Jesus is walking down this path and there's like a drop off on one side and there's the wall on the other. You know, this is just my mind's eye. He's walking down through there and people are piled around him, walking with him, wanting something from him. And she comes dragging herself up that hill. Just to touch, just to be able to reach out and touch the, the hem of his garment, the, the border of his clothing. She drug herself as close to the presence of Jesus as she could. And when Jesus passed by, the crowd was so big, she remembered at that point, she remembered a scripture from her childhood. She remembered something that was said and and I don't know, it's probably the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard, had the Holy Spirit remind you of a scripture that you didn't even know was important? And all of a sudden, this scripture comes to her. Scripture 
that she remembered from her childhood. It was a 400-year-old prophecy that she heard. And it's here in Malachi chapter 4. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 says this. It says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. I looked into this verse. The word healing there is the Hebrew word marpe. At least that's the way I say it, marpe. Marpe, literally the, the very first definition of marpe is this, restoration of health. The son of righteousness will rise with the restoration of health in his wings. Now, you can read that verse and take, saying, take things so literal that this, you see this almost this, uh, what, what do they call that bird that rises out of the sun? You know, this phoenix or whatever rises out and he's got wings and he's got healing in his wings. That's not, that's not what that means. Because you look up the word wings, the word wings is the Hebrew word kanaf. And kanaf means this, the extremity, the edge, the border, the fringe. The sun of righteousness will arise with the restoration of health in the border, in the edge, in the fringe of his garment. When I teach on this or when I remember this, I have a an example that I like to show. This is kind of a modern day model of what the old, what of a garment that Jesus would wear. We call this the prayer shawl. It's a it's a shawl that uh, practicing Jews will wear, especially those of any authority will wear this. Put this on, and the fringes have different um, pieces of of tassel to them, but the, the main tassels that are on the four corners of the, of the, uh, tallit, this is called a tallit. It's just a prayer shawl. And the, um, the tassels that are on the end look like this. I don't know if you can tighten in on that, but it's kind of cool. It's specially tied. There's five knots. There's eight strands of string or wool, twisted wool that are tied together. This is called, in Hebrew, it's called the zitzit, which is, just means tassels. But every Hebrew word has a number, uh, number, a number attached to it. And when you look at the, t- the sum total of the word zitzit, which is Hebrew for tassel, the sum total of the, of the, the word zitzit is 600. But then it has eight strands of string and it has five knots. You put all the numbers together, it's 613, which means there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. So when you look at that string, that tassel right there, you're taking the Word of God, the entire Word of God in your hands and saying, this is, this is the commands of God. Are you with me? Not only that, it's tied in such a way that it spells out God's name, Yahweh. 
Kind of cool, huh? So, as Jesus is passing by, every Hebrew man wore tassels on his garment, whether it was a prayer shawl or whether it was just a garment that he was wearing that day. He always attached the um, the tassels to his garment. In Deuteronomy, I believe, let me see here, Deuteronomy 22 and in Numbers 15, it is commanded that they wear, that the Jewish people, the Hebrew people would wear the tassels on their garments in remembrance of the commandments of God. So they would wear those. Those 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 were in remembrance. And even today when you go over and see uh, practicing Jews, I mean, wherever you see practicing Jews uh, operating in their religion, you're going to find that they wear tassels on their clothes to remind them of the commands of God. Amen? Amen? During Old Testament times, the understanding sometimes was that if someone was impure, then their impurity made everything else they touched or touched them impure. So this woman lived her life that way. She lived her life with that thing that she had to pronounce that she was impure when she went out in public because if someone got near her, no matter how pure they were, they became impure until Jesus came on the scene. Until Jesus. Say that. Until Jesus. I think that that is the, what I call the righteous reversal of thought. Because now, when Jesus comes on the scene, it's not that the impure makes the pure impure. I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that the impure makes the pure impure. It's now with Jesus, the pure makes the impure pure. Amen. Yes. It's not the impure that makes the pure impure. It's Jesus now makes the pure the pure Jesus makes anybody, anything impure, pure. I ain't saying it again. It's what I call a righteous reversal. A righteous reversal of thought. Jesus' purity was so pure that if anything impure got near it or touched him, it became pure. So here's this woman. And in verse 44 there in Luke chapter 8, it says, She came up from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her blood flow stopped. When you look at that word border of his garment, the word border is the Greek word kraspedon, which is the equality to the Hebrew word kanaf, which means extremity, edge, or border, or fringe. So when the woman come up, she came up from behind him. She came up from behind him. She didn't ask to touch him. She just reached out and grabbed what she could. And when she reached out and grabbed, she knew that old scripture in Malachi, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in the edges of his garments. She reached out and she grabbed that tassel. And when she grabbed a hold of the word of God, it brought healing immediately to her. Just like that. His purity, his purity made her impurity pure. Just because she was willing. That day, that woman, she could have been stoned, killed, 
for not pronouncing that she was impure. But now, something happened to her. Something else happened to her. Because the miracle she experienced was not a systematic ordered miracle. It was simply, it went against all religion and all proper protocol. It was simply her faith to act on the Word of God, to act on an Old Testament Scripture. It's simply faith in that Old Testament Scripture. It was a covenant promise from God's Word. She didn't need two or three witnesses. Well, you got to have two or three witnesses, brother, if you want the Word of God to activate in your life. Bull. All I need is one word from God that will change my life forever. One word. And she remembered that one word. Rhett, come on up, buddy. See, word got around. I better I better finish this out. All right, Rhett, sit down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> look, at, look at what happened here in verse 45. It said, And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, multitudes throng and press you, and you ask, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out of me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she tried to hide. But when power left Jesus, it left her exposed. She came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well go in peace he said your faith just you dragging yourself up that hill just you coming up from behind me just you reaching out and touching based upon the word of God the healing in the wings of my garment just because of your faith in that you are healed You are made well. It wasn't just the flow was dried up. It was everything was restored to her. All that blood that she had lost is restored. I think that probably the, the, uh, the way that her body would react to blood leaving her, her body, the, the drawing of the face, the, the, the weight that she would probably lose now she's perfectly whole and healed again it's like she wasn't even sick because there was a restoration of health in her body because she would reach out by faith and touch the garment touch the tassels of his garment and he said to her he says go in peace go in peace the word peace means shalom it means nothing missing and nothing broken nothing missing nothing broken she missed nothing from that point on. He, Jesus says, now go in peace. The word got around about his tassels. Word got around from this story. She could have died that day by doing what she did, but her faith and going in peace and people seeing the change in her immediately, that word got out. That's why your testimony is so important because your testimony shows that God will do it again. God can do it again. 
And so this word got around, and I've, I've never seen this before. I've read the book of Matthew a lot, many times. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying I've read it many times. 25 years as a preacher, I've preached on it and everything, and I have never seen this before. Never. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34, says this. And after they had crossed the lake, talking about Jesus and his disciples, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. And they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. Did you see that? Another spot where the fringe of his garment, the, the, the border of his clothing, the tassels that he, wrote, that he wore was once again the place of healing, the place of restoration. That it says that the that the, tu- the, the it says let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. That word fringe is the same word crespidin, which means the extremity or the border, and it points toward restoring healing and divine health. It's about the purity of God's word in the midst of our impurity, making us pure again. That's the restoration of health. That's the restoration of divine healing in our life. See, the strength of His covenant is not subject to our weakness. The strength of His covenant is not subject to our sickness and our disease. Just because we have sickness and disease, just because we're walking through the midst of it, doesn't make His covenant not work. His covenant of restoring healing. The reason Jesus went to the, one of the reasons Jesus went to the cross was not just to forgive our sins, but it was to heal us. That's what the Word of God is about. That's what's hanging on the fringes of Jesus' garment. It's the strength of His covenant. No matter what anybody says, our faith is what activates the greatness of His covenant. So today I want to ask you this. I don't ask questions very often of you. But has a diagnosis or a prognosis been uh, pronounced over you that's incurable? I have. I know many in this room who has. But the doctors have said your disease, what you're dealing with is incurable. That's all the doctors got. That's why they're practicing I want to meet a professional one day. You know, one one who doesn't have to practice, he's just a... And you know who that is? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus ain't practicing. Jesus is for sure. It's a sure thing. Maybe you've had a disease or a prognosis that's been pronounced incurable and it's caused us to hide. So one thing that I have wanted to do over the last eight years, I've wanted to hide. There's so many times that I've hidden. So many times my wife has had to come and get me. Say, you gotta maybe you gotta go to church today. You're preaching. You're on the You're on the schedule. 
life. Maybe there's a betrayal that you're dealing with. Maybe there's an addiction that you're dealing with. Maybe there's depression, anxiety, those things that that you deal with that makes you want to hide. But I want to tell you something today. The Son of Righteousness has risen. The Son of Righteousness has risen with healing in His wings, healing in the extremities. He's got the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And He wants to see us restored in our health. He wants us to restore with divine healing. The Son of Righteousness has risen not only through the birth of Jesus that changed things, but much more power because He has risen from the dead. He took our sicknesses and diseases. He died on the cross. He buried them. He took them into hell. And He come up out of that grave three days later. I know I know it's not Easter time. I know, but we can still talk about it, can't we? We can still talk about it. He is risen in more power and more definitive action to see the restoration of our health. As I close this up, there's a prophecy spoken of in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. You can write it down if you want to, but it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, talking about the days that we're in, in those days, ten men from every language of every nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. says that they will grasp the sleeve. The sleeve is that kanaf. That sleeve is that word of God that's on the fringes of Jesus' garment. This is talking about the restoration, the restoration of the word of God like never before. We as Christians know the word of God, but there's something about the Hebrews that have a deeper more meaningful understanding of what the Word of God says. And if we can grasp a hold of the Hebrew roots of our faith, we will understand more so that there is healing in the wings. There's healing in the tassels. Not as a systematic way of getting getting our miracle, but as a way of putting our faith in the Word of God to bring healing and health to ourselves. Amen. Man, I thought y'all would be a lot more excited about that than I am. Because when we find the miracle power of a righteous reversal, our impurity made pure by the purity of the presence of the Word of God in our lives will take place. I don't know how many of you need healing today. I don't know if you need healing from the common cold or an incurable disease. But I'm telling you, there is healing available here today. There is a restoration of health available for you today. And I believe that if we can just make, you know, kind of in the same sense that when Jesus went to that place at Gennesaret 
And the people had heard the story about the woman with the issue of blood. All of a sudden, her testimony became their testimony because they just wanted... We're not asking to be in front of Jesus. We're asking, can we just get a hold of that fringe? Can we just get a hold of those tassels? So today, I don't know how many of you need healing. I don't know if... I don't I don't have any clue. But all I know is I'm going to follow what God has told me to do. Could I get the prayer team up here? Anybody who's on the prayer team, could I get y'all to come up real quick? Come on up. And before you get out of here today, come on. I'm going to give this to you, Travis. Take care of it, my son. Guard it with your whole life. Okay, here's the... like giving a mantle away. That was powerful. (laughs) Do what? Yeah. Yeah, we laid that over you in the hospital, didn't we? If you need health today in your body, I'm going to ask you, come and get with our prayer team. Now, we got them coming. And get a hold of these tassels. Let our prayer team pray over you as you get a hold of those tassels. If you say, well... It's not that big of a deal for me today, but I do need stuff in my body. On the way out, when you're leaving, there'll be another Talit out there right by the door. And you can grab, just go by and just grab a hold of those tassels as you go by. And you watch what God will do. I believe we're going to have miracle signs and wonders today. I believe with all my heart that you're going to see and hear the testimony of people needing, needing the health, the restoration of the health of Jesus. Because restoring health and healing is what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Would you all stand up on your feet just real quick? Thank you, Father. I want to pray over you. As I pray over you, if you need to come down, come on down. If you just want to grasp going out the door, you can grasp a hold of that tassel going out the door. But with that, I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, that this is a day... God, this is a great day. This is the day that you have made. And we're going to rejoice because, God, you have brought healing and divine health into the house. Not that we have it, don't have it any other time. We have it with us today. Father, there is a particular reason why you have called us here today. There's a particular reason, not just going to church today, but there's a reason that you that, that we need your restoration of health in this house. We thank you, Father. Now, Father, I pray that if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice who has never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I just want to tell you, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, you've never called yourself a Christian, you've never experienced that part of your life, had Jesus a part of your life, if that's you today, all you got to do right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. What you did by saying that you give him your life is you have entered into that covenant that he made on the cross. Not only did he die for your sin and take away your sin, but he also died for your healing or for your health. And he has given you back full restoration of health in Jesus' name. Father, I praise you and I thank you so much. 
for each of us who are believers. And Father, as believers, we receive your divine help when we take a hold of those tassels, God, when we when we experience that. Father, I pray that there is a move on the inside of every one of us that we feel, we, we even feel you move and bring that restoration in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the tassels that you have given us as a point of faith. We give you glory. We give you honor. give you praise for all the fruit that's born out of today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all receive that today? Well.